Intersection Education Podcast. Schools are the place where different institutions, services, and societal influences meet. In other words, they're at the intersection of children's lives. In the Intersection Education Podcast, we speak with insiders and outsiders of the education world to try to gain new insight and improve our schools. Welcome to this edition of the Intersection Education Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Haley. My conversation today is with Tal Thompson. Tal is a fifth grade teacher from Columbia, South Carolina. Over his 17 years of teaching, he's developed a style and reputation for both high achievement and character development. In 2015, he was a top four finalist for America's Top Teacher Award on Live with Kelly and Michael. He followed that up by winning the South Carolina Citizen Education Elementary Teacher of the Year Award in 2016. Tal attributes his success to his ability to connect, push, and cultivate confidence within his students, how he translates lessons in a way that will inspire positive and productive change, and his focus on real-world skills like collaboration, problem-solving, critical thinking, and communication. But these skills aren't given in his class— they're earned. Now you can connect with Tal on his website, which is talltal.com, or on most social media, where he has the same handle, at talltalteaches. Now if you like what you're hearing, connect with us, Intersection Education. You can go to our website, intersectioneducation.com, or follow us on Twitter, at intersectioned, or even on Facebook. Now we really appreciate it when you rate us on iTunes and leave a review. Here is my conversation with Tal Thompson. Tal Thompson, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Intersection Education Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, my friend. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here with you spending uh, this evening talking some education. I'm ready to nerd out about education at any time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're going to get along just fine. Uh, let's get right into it. You talk about the need for confidence in youth. Why do you think that this idea of confidence is so important? And how do you think that schools can go about creating confident students and and eventually confident people and adults? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think you'd be hard to find a teacher that has not talked about the value of confidence in schools and with kids. Um, But something that has been trending over the last, for me, what I've noticed in education the last seven to 10 years would be... um, they're just the lack of overall self-confidence that kids have. And as teachers, when we want to get the best out of someone, we believe that growth and the ceiling is as high as it can possibly go. We know that confidence is the key to, to all of that. And what has happened, I believe what has happened is, you know, the, the social media, the cell phones, the, the lack of human interaction and kids getting a different sense of confidence than what is real. And I call it false confidence. There's kids that are um, getting a different type of confidence that doesn't really translate into the educational system, doesn't translate into the classrooms because they're so confident behind a screen, so confident behind um, behind a username that when we get them in the classroom and then we get them in the real world, they struggle to be the best versions of themselves. And so I preach a lot about let's, before we worry about content, before we worry about 
um, all the big things we want kids to do, we got to get them to believe in themselves. We got to start cultivating that self-confidence in them. And then they can start cultivating that, those other C's that we wanted to be. Once you're confident in yourself, you become a stronger collaborator. Your communication skills go through the roof. Your creativity that you've been holding back as all of a sudden just blossoms. So I think confidence is the foundation for just about everything we're trying to get out of kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your idea of true confidence. It's not just, you know, bravado. It's, actually being okay with yourself and being performing that. Uh, you talked about once we've got confidence that it leads into these other aspects. And let's get into some of those right now too. Um, I love how you talk about collaboration uh, and how you uh, are talking about the skill of developing the skills of kids working together. Um, but I sometimes think that we've lost what, what that actually means, like collaboration and, and even why that might be important. I'm hearing people from the business world are telling us that this is a skill they are looking for. What do you think collaboration means and, and, and why is this so important right now? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a word that has a different meaning than what it used to. Um, I think in schools, we've kind of lost the ability to get the true collaboration out of kids because we get kids in groups and we get an alpha in that group that is excited about a project and that alpha kind of runs the show. And and the other kids struggle to, well, they're, they're going to get a good grade on the project because, of course, the alpha is going to dictate how that project's going to go. But to me, when we talk about collaboration, it comes back to confidence again. Like true collaboration is pulling the voice out of every kid in that group. And so one of the things that I work on in my classroom, and sometimes my alphas know that when we start projects or we start sessions, they're going to sit on their hands and be quiet for the first 10 minutes. They they have to, if they're, and I meet with, you know, the kids who are the strong leaders, the most um you know, academically successful. And I talk to them a lot about, you know, your job right now, you're going to do well on this project, but your job right now is to p- develop your leadership skills in collaboration and say, how do I build, how do I pull the best out of every kid in this group? How do I, because we talk a ton about, and this is on my wall, this is on, you know, tell the kids all the time, the smartest person in the room is the room. And until they really learn to buy into the idea that even though I'm really, really good at this, there are, there are skills and there are um, qualities that kids have that their confidence doesn't let them bring to the group. And as the year goes on, when those leaders start to pull that out of them and, and the self-confidence starts to grow and they start to, their voice is heard, their voice is valued and they want to be a part of that group, then we get to see what collaboration really is. It's all voices working together. And then also understanding that, you know, the other word, phrase I have on my, um, on my wall is dig in and be flexible. So dig in when you think you're right, but at the same time in this world, especially what we're seeing in the world today, sometimes you got to say, all right, I am dug in, but that's a good point. Maybe I need to be flexible on this one as well. So um, I think getting kids to learn to use their voice, value other people's voices, take in information, processes it, and do what's best for the group, what's best for the project is what true collaboration should be. Absolutely. And the idea that part of that confidence is the confidence that you don't need to be taking over and trying to show everyone that you're the best collaborator, the smartest person in the room. I love that because when you are confident enough to listen, um, you're going to be able to collaborate and flex and be more flexible. Love it. Love it. Um, another real thing that I, that I like when you're talking about school is that you often reference the real world and I'll put that in quotation marks. Um, <laughs> What does this mean to you? Why do you think it's important that we purposefully create a link to skills that are going to be used either outside of school or later on in life? I think I think it comes down to authentic and relevant education. I think having an, a mindset that, which is, it, it's one of my biggest frustrations in education right now is we are creating a pipeline 
of students who are fantastic test takers that are not ready for the real world. And so what I try to do in my classroom and what I hope is happening in all classrooms across the country and across the world, really, is how are we creating authentic learning experience. So number one, you know you're doing a job if it, you don't you know you're doing your job if a kid never comes up to you and says, why do I need to know this? If you are creating projects and, and learning experiences and PBL experiences for kids where they are using their educational experience as a part of creating a project that's going to be useful for their community, for their school, then you are creating an opportunity for the real world and and our opportunity to be successful in the real world. And one of the things you said that you talk to business people and I, I I probably annoy business people with the amount of time I hear out of the corner of my, how you're in the business world. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to me about what product I'm sending you. Tell me what's going on. And one of the most recent trends I'm hearing from people in the real world is that we, you are sending us extremely intelligent children, extremely intelligent candidates that come in and do, uh, that are resume amazing. But then they come in and they struggle with an idea that here's the project that we give them that needs to be processed because now they have to develop their own steps. Because in education, we sometimes say, here's a project, here's the 13 steps, it'll get you to your final solution. Um, so two things, they say, you, you guys are giving them the steps rather than making them be the creative thinkers that are coming up with the steps to improve it. And then secondly, the newest thing I'm hearing is that um, we, we, you're trying to create problem solvers, but we also need problem finders. People that go out in the world and say, I've hired you into this company, stop waiting for me to give you something. Look around our company and see what needs to be improved. Be the person who finds those problems and now let's problem solve together. And so those are real world experiences that I try to create in my classroom and having, having those conversations and getting to the point where they see their value, education as a value for the real world. Yeah. When you talk about that, I come right back to what you started with or what we started with, the confidence, right? You get into a, a a business or you get a new job. Do you have the confidence to be evaluative and then come up with solutions? Love it. Um, you know, speaking to you, your passion for teaching, your passion for education, you can hear it. I feel it. I think everyone else would 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 kind of understand that when they hear you talk. Sometimes there are some teachers that, you know, they're, they're kind of missing that spark. They, they kind of need some, some, some to refine that passion. What would you say to someone who, who might need to reignite that passion for learning and for teaching? Someone who is in education, maybe a teacher or whatnot, that, that's looking to find that again. Yeah, I mean, that's a epidemic right now is the you can see with the strikes that are happening in the country, the, the morale that are happening uh, in, in school districts around the world um, with teachers, the turnover rate in America. I believe the latest statistic I've seen is um, one out of well, almost 50 percent of our teachers are leaving the industry before the fifth year. That's that's terrifying to me. Like there's a lot of extremely talented professionals that are leaving the profession because of a multitude of things, but really what you just talked about, they've lost the spark, they've lost that passion, that fuel. And a lot of that comes down to what, you know, I had a teacher eight, nine years ago tell me, you're not gonna make it in this profession if you continue to put your value in that test. You, you work towards creating experiences for kids, you work on uh, making passion experience for kids, and you come to school every day trying to make changes in kids' lives, that spark never goes out. But if you put your value in coming in and saying, I want to create a kid who can regurgitate information on a test at the end of the year, then, then you're going to fall. You're going to hate this profession. You're going to fall out of love with it because that's not what you wanted to do. And you're going to, it's going to hit you in the face one day that you're going to say, what am I doing? I'm creating test takers instead of, you know, cultivating these great uh, products for society and, and changing kids' lives. And, so what I tell people is, yeah, that's part of the game. We do have to do well on that test. There's no doubt about it. You have to play the game. 
but fuel your passion through creating experiences for kids that you know that will really matter. And you know what? Make sure the content's there as well. And, and never, never forget your why. Like, why did you get in this? Stay with your why as often as you can. Write it down on your wall. Write it on your hand. Get a tattoo. I don't care. But remind yourself the reason you did this wasn't for a test. It wasn't for you know, the parents that come in and complain and don't appreciate what we do. You are making a difference every single day. You need to remind yourself every single day that you know, I matter and I'm making a huge difference in kids' lives. Yeah. Great answer. Great answer. Love it. It keeps me going. Um, let's talk about education a bit more generally. You know, you you travel around and you talk to a lot of people about learning. Uh, is there something that when you speak about a, a particular aspect of what you think is good teaching and learning that you get a bit of pushback from people don't necessarily agree with you about? Yeah, I think sometimes there's um, a lot of teachers and School, one of the things I'm passionate about right now is the maker movement, hmm. the maker movement and how it impacts PBL and STEM. Um, and I think I don't necessarily get a lot of pushback. They just, especially maker, because it's so new to a lot of people. I say that when I give speeches, I'll talk about, you know, how I'm implementing maker projects in my classroom. And I can tell the brows change and people, are, Wait, what is this maker thing all about? And, and really, um, once I explain it to them, they get super excited, but there's not a lot of literature out there that they can read. There's not a lot of training on it. I mean, I offer training through my workshops, but you know, around the world, there's just not a lot of uh, movement with it right now. So getting teachers to buy into the idea that you don't, I don't have a, I haven't used a textbook in probably six years in my classroom, seven years. I just don't believe in it. I, sometimes I drive parents crazy a little bit because they're used to having that textbook come home, but getting the idea that you can, you can create what a lot of teachers stress about, which we've talked a lot about on here is that test through PBL <clears throat> and through maker, you can create those amazing test scores, but you're also creating a passion for learning. You can have, and the other, I guess the biggest thing that people look at me and say, well, you're just an energetic guy and you just have this passion. You know, I think everyone can love teaching again. I think everyone can have that passion and fuel for teaching. If you get a little selfish from time to time and think about yourself as a teacher, create experiences that will make you happy and the children happy. Um, then you can have, you know, you can fall back in love with this profession. So I guess the two ways is the maker movement and this profession still is fun. Yeah. I'm interested in the idea of learning environments, of how we create the conditions for amazing learning. And sometimes people uh, reflect on their own experiences. What are what was it about the the most powerful learning experiences that you've had, um, whether that's a formal learning experience or a more informal learning experience? What was it about the people? What was it about the situation and uh, that, that made maybe some of your best learning experiences so good? And then how might we transfer that into creating those same conditions for our students? Yeah, I think there's... There's two ways to look at that. One, what are the learning experiences and, and the environments that I had that were awful? Yeah. And how did that how did that train the way I think? And also, what are the ones that inspired me? What are the ones that I've seen recently? Um, a real powerful one that I saw recently, well, within the last five or six years, is the Ron Clark Academy. Um, that's an academy in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a he's a real famous teacher in America, but he's created Hogwarts in in Atlanta. And he's, it's a private school, so it's, it's different than what we're going through. But it also inspires, you can bring some of what they're doing at this academy into your world, which is the mindset that school should be magical. School should be a great experience for kids to come to. They should get, be exciting to get out of bed every day to come in. And in my classroom, I have a phone booth with Superman in it, Clark Kent turning into a uh, Superman. I have um, these big room transformations where my room will turn into a campsite or it'll turn into an alien crash site. And all the learning will take place through these things. And 
So my kids get excited to come to classrooms, come to my classroom because they know what's going to happen next. I love the idea. No idea what's going to happen when I make this turn into this room. Um, but it's also inspired by the amount of classrooms that I sat in as a kid and was bored out of my mind. And where a teacher stood there and that was all about teacher voice rather than student voice. It was all about the environment of, you know, set and get and regurgitate rather than here, let's debate. Like uh, the most powerful learning experiences I have has been with teachers who said, here's an idea, prove me wrong. Let us talk, use our voice. Let us talk about it. Let's debate, even if I don't believe in the side I'm debating on, but having those conversations. So creating an environment where kids' voices are valued, encouraged, and um, and risk-taking is extremely powerful with them. Like, I love to tell my kids, like, I don't want you skateboarding off the top of a school, but at the same time, in this classroom, I want you taking those type of risks. I want you to stand up and say something that may be completely outlandish, because who knows where the rest of this class will take that? Who knows what we'll learn from what that experience? So creating an environment where risk-taking is valued, where you come to school every day excited about what is going to happen. And that's my job to create a magical experience for the kids. And then going back to what we talked about, making it authentic and as relevant as possible every single day. So learning matters to them and they can see how it's going to benefit them. Yeah. I like this question because it, again, relies on some of your lived experience. Do you have any favorite failures or successes that helped you learn an important lesson, things that you've experienced in teaching or not that you kind of refer back to and be like, ah, it was then that I kind of learned this? Yeah, I think I think there's been several, like I think of not one moment, but a series of moments over a couple of years where I started to get real successful with my data. And, you know, like the te best test scores in the area, best test scores in the county. And I started to put my value system there. But then I started to notice that the joy in my classroom wasn't where I th wanted it to be. Um, because I had I was focused so hard on getting them to get test questions correctly. But the kids weren't enjoying my class. I was always the favorite teacher. And we and I had good data. And now I have the greatest data. And all of a sudden, kids are showing up to my class like, ah, oh, here we go. What are we going to do now? And so I think a couple times seeing a look on a kid's face when you drop a packet on their desk and seeing and it's like the loudest thud that will ever happen in a classroom. That packet hits, their body posture changes, and you're like, and you're like, oh, this data is what they need. This is the the, the content they need to be successful. But looking at them and saying, why would you do this to me? Why are you putting me through this? So those those collection of failures in kids' eyes when they look at you and say, this is not what education is supposed to be for me. And then when the shift happened and I started realizing, you know, content is extremely important, but developing a child and developing a passion for learning, cultivating these collaborative experiences, these real world authentic experiences for children. And then realizing after a year or two of playing with a new style of teaching that I still have the highest data in, this, in the area. And we never talk about the test. We never speak of it. We never even think about this test. We just do well because we love learning and we love taking on challenges. And this risk-taking is, is cultivated kids who are like, bring it on. I don't, care, I don't care how hard it is. I'm ready to fail 32 times so that the 33rd time it'll work. And you get kids that, are that can persevere and take on challenges. And that's when I realized like, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. When a kid doesn't run to the corner and cry when something's hard, Nowadays, that's a big deal. You've done something right. So they're like, all right, I failed. What's what's the next? I'm going to re-strategize with my group and we're going to get a new idea. So I love that. Yeah, that is a great. Um, I love recommendations. Uh, a lot of the things that uh, that I've kind of taken on and shaped uh, recently, I've gotten from other people. So um, yeah, the next section is, is a little bit of that. Do you have a favorite app or a favorite website, maybe some other media, film or something like that that you're referring other teachers and leaders to? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to you know, 
there's a ton of learning going on in Instagram right now. It's a really good place to to share, you know, the room transformations and the type of things that I like to do. So I can just get the ideas from other people. So the Instagram community and education is really powerful. Um, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a tech, I'm still a book guy. I still love reading books about education. And um, there's a book called Move Your Bus by Ron Clark. And I would recommend it to any leader, especially principals, but any leader out there. It's, it's a unique way of taking on how to fulfill the passion in, in your, in your, he calls them runners. It's the runners in your organization, the ones who will never say no, that work hard. They're only going to do what's best for your organization. And it's a re, it redefines how you run your organization based on let's, let's make our runners run. And those people that are sitting on the bus and never have anything good or positive to say, stop catering to them. So it's a fantastic book. And Ron Clark has several books out. One of them is called No More Molasses Classes, too. And it's a really powerful book on how to restructure the way education should feel in a class. Um, and then, you know, there's Kids Deserve It by Todd Nesloni, uh, another book that I read a lot, Teach Like a Pirate by Dave Burgess. That whole series of ideas of thinking outside the box in education is really, really powerful. So um, I think that's what inspires me still. I still, I mean, those books are written up and marked up like crazy. And every once in a while, a new one comes out and I jump into that one. But I will, I'll hand those books out to people when I see them. Oh, that's awesome. What's something that you do every day that keeps you well, healthy, ready to... Uh, <clears throat> help your students the next day? Yeah, I think I've heard this from a lot of other people too, of, of how teachers treat themselves. And there's this whole <laughs> self-care thing. For me, I am a super early morning person. I wake up at 4 a.m. every morning. I'm writing a book myself right now. So I start writing about 4.15 every morning. But then I get to the gym. I, I just do a spin class for me. I'm, I'm 45 years old. I'm not going to go and pump iron anymore and try to outwork anyone that man. But I need to I need to fill, get that metabolism going, get my energy going when I get to school. Um, I like to be the most energetic person in the classroom every day when the class starts. Now I'm dealing with fourth graders. So I got nine, 10, 11 year olds. And some of them will challenge that because they are ready to go. They've had two pounds of sugar before they got to school. So, so I work out every day. We start every day with a song. And that's a, that's a video that went pretty viral here recently on all my social media platforms. We just do a song called Hall of Fame by the Script. And we get all the kids from fourth grade come in and, and it's a loud, very energetic dance choreographed song that we sing every single day. I jump up on a table when I'm singing it with the kids. And sometimes I'll pick a kid and put them up on the table. Um, but it's a song about it's a confidence song, too. It's, you know, I can be the greatest. I can be the best. I can be the King Kong banging on my chest. And the song is written to say you can be the greatest. You can be the best. But we sing it to ourselves. We changed all the use to eyes. And it's a daily reminder that there's greatness out there for all of us. But just like real confidence, you have to go out and earn this real greatness. It's not going to be handed to you through a trophy for finishing last place on the t-ball team. <laughs> so I do that. And then I and then I reflect. I have a journal that I write in every day at the end of the day. Kids all leave. There's that moment where you're just like, I'm going to lay down and collapse myself for a second. I grab my journal and I just write a page. I just talk about two or three highlights of the day and something that I wish would go better. I think it's just a great way to finish, to finalize the day and just to kind of get yourself grounded for, all right, we got to start this process over now. That's awesome. Uh, the next question is about uh, maybe an organization or a person who inspires you. It could be recently, it could be more of a long-term thing. Anyone that's kind of kind of getting you going these days? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot on Instagram, and I find new people every single day that just come across their feed. If you follow Teachers Follow Teachers or Teachers of Instagram, there's a lot of people out there that are just. It's nice to see people that are in the in the in the grind. So there's a there's a person named Adam Devico. And he's a principal in North Carolina, and he wrote a couple books, one is Inside the Trenches, and he has another one 
the one that's another good principles book, but it's fantastic. It, Limitless School is what it's called. And it's just about as teachers, as administration, as people in the industry, stop looking at the limits that are out there and just go take on anime. If you want to have a donkey in your school, let's see what we can do to get that donkey in your school. You know, whatever it is, there's no limit. So that inspires me. Ron Clark, of course, I've mentioned him several times in this that inspires me. But I think the thing, you know, as I've been in this long enough, when you're when you're a younger teacher, you're looking for that inspiration, like like this question. You're looking for that person or that that app or that thing in the world that inspires you. And right now, I think the thing that inspires me the most is just other teachers. You know, there are a lot of people that are fighting the good fight right now that are that are in it for the right reason. They're making every single decision about kids. I have them in my school right now. There's people in my school that I look at every single day when they walk down the hall, and I can see the look in their eyes. They're in the grind with us. They're, but that, I watch them. That's, they're not going to ever give up on what they think is best for kids. And so the people that inspire me, the ones that have that relentless spirit, I had an ex-superintendent that told me one day, she said, have you ever heard the phrase 24 seven? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, that's the kind of teacher you are. And that's frustrating for some people because you never turn it off. Other teachers are ready to go home and shut that off. And so when she said that, I started thinking about like, yeah, I'm always thinking about my kids. I'm always thinking about my job and I have a family. So I should be thinking more about my family from time to time. But I've started to notice other 24 sevens and they inspire me and they motivate me. And so you don't always have to go to the big name. Sometimes it's the person down the hall or the person across town or that person on Instagram that you know is just another teacher like you that's doing the, doing the hard work. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you mentioned a, a book. What can we uh, look from? What do, you, what do you tackle next? Questions, problems? What can we, uh, what can we look forward to from you in the, in the next coming maybe months or years? Well, hopefully by the end of this summer, um, anyone out there that's listening that's writing or has a passion for writing a book, um, it's a fun thing to write on a bucket list. It is a really tough thing to accomplish. <laughs> writing a book is a challenge. And, 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 I, and it's pretty much, you know, it's my, it's my mission statement. It is my where I view education and what I think education should be. And so the title of the book right now is called America Needs More C Students. And the idea, and it's not that I want to celebrate mediocrity. That's the first thing that it's kind of a play on words. America needs more C students. But when we came into the 21st century, there was this thing called the 21st century learner. And the four C's that they talked about were collaboration, critical thinking, communication, and creativity. And that's awesome. Like I read those, I remember reading books about it, reading articles about it. I'm like, that is exact. That's the real world stuff you and I have just talked about. But I feel like we missed some more important C's that have to, that's like, that's the, that's the top floor of the building, but we forgot the whole foundation and confidence is one of those C's. So when I say America needs more C students, it's a collection of these other words that start with C that I feel like we're missing out on. We're miss number one is, is confidence. We have to build confidence before any of that stuff's going to take place. We want to develop a movement of people that see a catalyst as a, as a mindset in this world. Stop pounding on your chest about the things that are going wrong. Instead, notice the things that are going wrong and be that difference in your, in your area which leads it to another C, which is community. How do we start serving our community instead of waiting for our community to serve us? Like it starts in a classroom. Let's build our community in here, but let's go build another community. And so there's compassion and all these other different C's that, um, that I think are, you know, charisma is one of them, like just developing that charm and that charisma as a person to be able to stand out and have a wow factor. So that's what the book's going to be about. All these other C's that will build into the 21st century learner skills, those, those other four C's. So I'm really excited about that being done um, and offering up, you know, just the craziness that goes on inside my mind and let other people in the world see it. <laughs> so that's what's driving me right now. And also, and I travel and I speak and I do workshops and I love that. But 
Um, this is kind of the thing that's when I say taking over my life, I really mean it's taking over my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, let's say people are out there and they want to know absolutely when this book comes out. They want to know uh, where you're speaking next. What are some of the best ways to follow along uh, with what you're doing and when this book comes out? Okay. Well, I am. Uh, you have a website, and I'm. I mentioned this. I don't know if I said it on the air or not, but I'm six foot eight. So <laughs> my my name is Tal, and I'm six foot eight. So it made perfect sense to call my company Tall Tal. So if you go to talltal.com, that's got tons of my workshop information, my speaking information, a way to contact me. But then you know, on social media, Tall Tal teaches on Twitter, Tall Tal teaches on Instagram, and just Tall Tal on Facebook places you can connect and follow along and um and we can grow together i mean that's one of the things like i, I hate to just get followers i want to learn from people that's what i i don't want to just be when the person has the phone in their hand staring at instagram all day i'm hoping to pick something up from someone else and use that as a throw it in my tool belt so i can grow as well that's awesome yeah it's a two-way street for sure absolutely tal thank you so much for sharing your passion thank you so much for sharing your vision today with us um you know, I just want to get out there and, 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 and get in that classroom right now. So uh, I want to thank you a lot and best of luck with the book. I'm looking forward to reading that as well. Well, thank you so much for having me on and nerding out with me about education and all of you listening out there. Uh, keep on doing the good thing for kids. That's why we're in it. We're in here to change the world through one kid at a time. So thank you so much, sir. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Intersection Education Podcast. Just a reminder that you can connect with us on our website, intersectioneducation.com, on Twitter, intersectioned, or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.